Mel Todd Wood. At CD Media, we've decided never to have a paywall on any of our sites. I hate those. But we have to make money, so we do have advertisements. But some people don't like ads. So what can you do? You can sign up for our no ad subscription. It's a few bucks a month. You go to the top of any of our sites and sign up for the subscription. And you get access to all of our websites, all of the news from around the world. This includes our Eastern European, Israeli, Balkan sites. It includes armedforces.press. It includes all the U.S. papers that we've opened, the Miami Independent, the Connecticut Sentinel, the Georgia Record, the Manhattan.press, and then those that are yet to come in the pipeline, which will be opening soon. So you get all this access to fantastic news from around the world with no ads, no display ads, no pop-up ads. I think you'll love it. Please check us out. It helps support CD media, independent media, and basically confronting the propaganda that's being put out by the corporate media. Thank you. Now let's get to our guest. Welcome to our Globalists in Plain Sight show. We are here today with Sasha Latipova. Sasha, you need to turn on your microphone if you can hear me. Um, so, Sasha, I don't know if you can hear me. If you can, turn on your microphone. We've got some tech. Here we go. We've got Sasha, can you hear me? Stay with us, folks. We're just going to be a few minutes. Sasha, can you hear me? Sasha, can you hear me? Sasha, we are live. So would you need you need to turn on your microphone? And there, no, there you go. Can you hear me? Uh hold on. I can't hear through the computer. Well, then you need to turn the volume up on your computer. No, I cannot hear through the computer. I don't I don't I'm trying, I'm looking at settings. And well, just turn on turn on the volume. Uh the volume. The it's all it's it's up now i can you can't hear me but i can hear you yeah i i don't because we are live right now yeah why don't you drop out and come back in yeah hold on okay well ladies and gentlemen that's what happens sometimes with technology but it's not a big deal because it's not the end of the world so today um as i said we've got we have sasha with us and we're going to talk about everything that's been going on. Sasha, can you hear me now? Now I can hear you. Yeah, okay, I don't know. Great. So we just had a little tech glitch. That's not a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. 
So uh, today, folks, we're going to we're going to talk about, you know, where we are now in this great uh, COVID era, because uh, President Biden had said on 60 Minutes a couple of weeks ago that the pandemic was over. But it's not really over because uh, he just extended the Emergency Use Act once again this past week. Um, and we know that people are, in fact, pushing to have the um to, Sasha, hold on for a second. Your microphone just got turned off again. Uh, I turned it off because my dolls are barking. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. So, all right. So this is a little glitz, glitzy show, folks. Um, we've got some tech problems and dogs in the background. But anyways, Biden has said that, you know, it's over, but it's not. The emergency use act is being pushed through. You have taken such a deep dive and been all over the place looking at this, you know, from the manufacturing to the clinical trials. It's already been established that all the standards have been blown out. What are your latest observations, Sasha, as, as you're watching this now? Because it's I mean, you know, you're in a different position than everybody else. You've you, you've worked for Pfizer. Pfizer's invested in your companies. You have um, dealt with the FDA in the past. You've been you know, associated with clinical trials with 60 other pharmaceutical companies all over the world. So at this point in time, should I mean, should they take this shot, these shots off the shelf? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, these, these shots are the, the more, the more I learn and my colleagues and, and I have a large network right now all over the world, the more we learn about these things, the, the, the scarier they are. And it's obvious that they're um, being produced without any rules, without any oversight and all regulatory agencies are, you know, just straight out lying to people about what's what's inside these shots, how they work, how you know what are the ingredients. I um, the the most recent update, and this is coming from the European Medicines Agency, uh, which is which is comparable for those who don't understand it to the FDA in the United States. Yes, it's equivalent of FDA in the European Union, and as you know, European Union has twenty seven, I believe, uh, member states. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like we have 50 states, you know, they have 27 member states uh, and there's a European parliament, which is, um, you know, the, the Brussels body uh, for the European Union. So the most recent uh, was, um, in fact, my data. And uh, I collaborated with colleague Sonia Elijah from tri- Trial Site News. She's a journalist. So she finally, you know, after several months, actually close to a year of, of working on this, she got to several um, European uh, Parliament members who are, you know, there's a handful of them, but they're interested in investigating this and looking into this. And so they put up uh, a hearing um, last Monday uh, in the European Parliament and invited, and you know, Albert Berla was supposed to show up and answer their questions. And for those people who don't know his name, he is the CEO of Pfizer. CEO Pfizer. So he was scheduled to appear and answer their questions about specifically about contracts that were negotiated on behalf of the uh, European member states, and uh, also about the uh, v- you know various issues that I raised and and then Sonia put together in a report about mRNA integrity and things of that nature. And he bailed out of that hearing at the last moment and sent a replacement, Janine Small. Um, and uh, she didn't answer a lot of questions, but she said a lot of very, I mean, the, the stuff that that the answers that they provided at this point, it's mockery. I mean, it's really unprofessional and really bad. So uh, the, the question centered around, as you know, um, 
the uh, and I also covered this uh, uh, about a year ago. Uh, as you know, these contracts are extremely predatory. We, we discussed it, uh, the European mm -hmm. contracts and you know uh, any other uh, ex-US uh, purchasing contracts for these uh, for these products are extremely predatory. They have clauses that prohibit. For example, testing of the vials prohibit uh, um, uh, following any. Actually, they require suspension of all rules that relate to good manufacturing, good distribution, good laboratory practices. Any and also, and also in some of them, they say that that the country that is the buyer mm -hmm. has to agree to the terms. And if they find out anything that's different than what they were sold they cannot pass a piece of legislation that would make it prohibitive for mm -hmm. that contract. I mean, these are, these are post-contract clauses that you yeah. don't normally see. And, the, and they also ask for some collateral to oh. ensure that they do not have uh, any liability in the country. Absolutely. So uh, they, the, the country is supposed to put state assets as collateral, which is, you know, uh, embassy buildings, military bases, if they have them, you know, it's, 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 it's insane. Uh, so no, it's, actually it's not Sasha. It's mm -hmm. comparable to what the CCP has mm -hmm. been doing when they go into African countries and they build bridges, infrastructure, construction, mm -hmm. and they've been doing this for 25 years. They've also done it in South America. So it's comparable to do it our way or the highway. And if you try to take us on, we're going to take your country. Exactly. So that's 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 absolutely correct. So and also, as we find out, uh, the European uh, Parliament members uh, ne were never given these contracts. They were almost completely redacted. So in that hearing, one of the MPs was showing the actual pages that they received and they are completely blacked out. Most of it. So mm -hmm. they were not they were voting on something that they, they, they were just voting on blacked out piece of paper. Um, so when they, when they first voted to, to have Pfizer mm -hmm. into the EU countries. Yes. And, and then uh, also Sonia and I covered um, uh, several times and so did uh, British Medical Journal that um, these contracts were negotiated by Ursula von der Leyen, uh, the commissioner of the EU, by text message with Albert Burles, the CEO of Pfizer. And mm -hmm. Obviously, the, so these are a gigantic sums of money. Uh, the initial contracts were over four and a half billion euro. And uh, they were negotiated by Ursula directly with Albert by text message. These text messages still have not been available to public. Uh, there's no minutes of the meetings, no procedures were followed. Nothing. You can't just negotiate on behalf of 27 countries by text message for the amount of over four billion euro. Well, they did. They did. They and, that's did. Been, and that's been earlier reported and no one's been able to get those. But that's not unusual because we have uh, also the Pfizer case that's going on in Uruguay where the judge ordered mm -hmm. to have the contract put before the court. And then and uh, and he demanded that the president, the presidency, the president's mm -hmm. office show up in court with Pfizer. And then they they showed up and said, sorry, we cannot put it before the court because this is confidential. Mm -hmm. So the confidential clause is across the board for these contracts, um, especially we know more about, I should say, we know more about Pfizer today than we do Moderna's and J&J's because it hasn't really been fully challenged in all the courts. So what was the reaction? Because my reaction was how much money was Ursula paid? Because everybody's being paid and I'm going to okay. accuse everybody for involved in this because why would anybody in their right mind send, present, sign, any of these kind of contracts. 
Exactly. I mean, she obviously she was she's highly compromised, and and whoever is controlling this, uh, you know, she's just doing their bidding, and uh, doing this this sort of you know blatant violation of all the rules and procedures, and uh, railroading these countries into these predatory contracts. In fact, so what what I also covered, and this wasn't covered in the in the parliament hearing, uh, I, we have emails uh, from. Uh, from EMA that were leaked um, sometime December 2020, and we mm -hmm. covered these emails. And so this is this is more relevant today in light of these proceedings. Is that actually what they did? Is she herself? Um, there are emails, email exchanges indicating that she herself was was um, lobbying all the all the countries to uh, uh, to to do the what's called conditional marketing approval. There are different pathways for approval of drugs and devices in the uh, European Union, and they're similar to the ones in the FDA. And at the time, there was no pathway for this product at all. Wasn't what, what, what do you mean by that? There was no pathway? Uh, so a re regulatory pathway is basically, uh, there are different procedures that you have to follow. If you want to, uh, let's say there are some, some drugs, let's say for what's called orphan diseases. So there's only maybe a few thousand people that have it and you have a special way of approving those drugs because they don't quite you know, follow the same rules. There are uh, different pathways uh, for, for example, cancer. Uh, medicines, or especially for terminal cancer, because the the risk risk bar is much lower. The person is already dying. We want to try many different things, and so that's a sort of a, a shortened pathway. In fact, this conditional marketing approval in Europe was uh, historically used only for cancer drugs, primarily. All right. So, so you're saying that she, that she was pushing a more relaxed way of distribution. Well, actually she was pretending that it's more rigorous. So what what originally the, the fastest way to do is just what they did in the United States, which is uh, emergency use authorization. It's not an approval. It's just the FDA saying, uh, you can go ahead and use this uh, unapproved product uh, because the situation is so dire. Uh, so that in Europe, there is a similar pathway. It's called Article 5. It's the same. It's an emergency use authorization. But the difference is that every member state grants it. In this, in what, happened, what happened in this situation? In the situation she did not want. So what she did not want absolutely is she did not want 27 countries having independence, deciding and granting this, which is very simple procedure uh, and fast also. But she didn't want the independence of 27 states. What she wanted, she wanted to corral them on all into one group and then go and negotiate it by text message with Berla and then tell them all, go, go sign this redacted version of the contract. That's what she wanted. So she went and she lobbied all of them and she said, we're going to do conditional marketing approval. It's much more rigorous. It has all these requirements, good manufacturing practice compliance. We're going to test everything. We're going to make sure everything is correct. Uh, but you all have to give up your freedom to grant uh, an approval, which which then the country can revoke, and it's only for one year. So right? she lied. She lied. Of course she lied. So she lied. Then, uh, so, then, she, then, so she lied. But my question is this: uh -huh. Now that you have those European Parliament mentor, mm -hmm. members interested in this, and they've heard some of this document, mm -hmm. seen some of the documentation, and they've, mm -hmm. they've been able to to you know piece together and cross reference this patchwork of information. Mm -hmm. Are they going to, going to do an investigation of her? Well, right now there's an official uh, investigation reported by uh, their equivalent of Attorney General. It's a, a public prosecutor's office for the European uh, Union. 
they said that there is an open investigation into these contracts and nothing else is available at this time but this was after the this this hearing the hearing wasn't a formal inquiry it was just a hearing uh, but now apparently there is a, a investigation opened by the prose public prosecutor's office. So tell uh, us about the the testimony by the by this woman that that Pfizer did sign because I thought towards the end of it it was kind of interesting. She was she she was uh, you the, the you had the right word mocking. Yeah, and she was asked some questions. Share share that with that with the audience. Yeah, so so a Dutch uh, member of parliament, uh, Bob Bruce, I believe his name, he asked her directly. Um, you know, did Pfizer test for transmission uh, of the prevention of infection and transmission of the virus uh, in their clinical trials? And she kind of laughed at this question and said, "Well, you know, no, we were moving at the speed of science." And also she said, and we needed to see what the market situations. I'm like, what? So her, she, she's admitted what we've all known all along is that these, these, uh, these shots, there's no other word to call them. These shots, in uh -huh. fact, were, were never tested for transmission, which no. means that they were never tested to, to see if it prevented, that this is the, this is the experimental trial right now. Yes. And that at the same time, the flip side of it is that when they were rolling these shots out worldwide, Pfizer and everybody else, including Fauci, was pushing the fact that this prevented transmission and that it prevented getting the disease, which was a lie. Well, it was a lie. And now, you know, we found that we've, we, we, the public, if they were paying attention, uh -huh. either they, they ended up in the hospital after they were vaccinated or in fact, we started learning about the breakthrough cases uh, end of July, beginning of August, 2021. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, so so of course it was a lie. The, the most important part is that everyone's uh, rights and freedoms were taken away on the premise. This whole green passport, especially in Europe, it's much more draconian than, you know, they tried in the US, but most um, jurisdictions sort of gave up, but they're still pushing mandates locally and so forth, but it's less um, draconian here in the US uh, versus Europe. In Europe, uh, they they were really militant, especially in Germany, especially in Italy. I mean, those are strange. I mean, they, they just love this kind of like totalitarianism for some reason. Uh, well, but, but, but people have to understand, going back to the early 1990s, the Chagan Agreement, I mean, when mm -hmm. I was a kid and go to, you know, if, if you were European, you would have to show your passport going from Italy into France. Today, mm -hmm. because of the agreement, you have the European pass, mm -hmm. so European passport. So you can go from Italy to uh, Amsterdam and never show your passport. I mean, it's just you, you're you're you know, you're part of the EU. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's well, not it's not as you know, so I, it doesn't surprise me that the vaccine passport would be pushed and probably in theory more acceptable to people than it would be in the United States? I Well, I mean, it's the same, like you go from state to state without showing your passport, mm -hmm. uh, but th this is a different thing. So they, they pushed they pushed this, you know, and that, this show your papers uh, idea to to curtail all of your rights to go to the store to go to the theater to to go shopping to even you know go to work uh, travel on the public transportation so they well, but right now in in Germany we have been told by people who were just recently here in the United States mm -hmm. that in Germany the corporations are testing everybody every day 
So you go to work, you have to be tested. So the testing is getting, um, it's getting some traction, you know, and, and surprisingly it, it is in, in Germany, but it's well, not that way in Switzerland. Well, absolutely. So, and that's another absolute nonsense. This testing, you, you know, that the PCR test is is BS. It's a it's a lab tool. It has never been validated diagnostically. There's mm -hmm. absolutely no basis for this nonsense idea of a symptomatic transmission. It's it's just voodoo. I mean, it has no scientific basis. It's a religious belief. Well, and all, then, of, all of this has got some voodoo stuff going with it. I yeah. mean, the drug is, not the drug, the shots uh, weren't tested. They weren't uh, followed the clinical trials. They didn't follow mm -hmm. the manufacturing standards of practices. Mm -hmm. uh, so everything has an issue with it. But now that it's come to light at the EU, do you think that this is going to go, any, is going to go anywhere? I mean, they say that it's open, but who's going to be handling this case? Is it going to be uh, an investigation that's going to be criminal? I would like it to be. I the you know the they did not say anything about whether it's civil or criminal. They said it's just investigation. I don't know what they're going to investigate, how it's going to happen. At least we got some public at this point. I am not very optimistic about, especially you know, federal or European Parliament level um, authorities. I think they're all captured. Um, but at least we can communicate. To people again, to the, it's it's it, it's up to us to stop it. It's up to every one of us to stop it. The, the federal government definitely is captured. State governments in most places. Uh, you can go talk to. I encourage everyone go talk to your local uh, prosecutor in your county. Explain to them what's going on. Um, you know, we need we need public pushback. We need individual pushback. This will not stop. Nobody's going to save you. And the same for the, for Europe. I think they're going to be in a really bad situation. But people need to push back individually and you know in groups and in locally. That's a, so well, that's that's kind of difficult because you really need to have uh, a prosecutor lo locally who's going to step out of the box and do something that's going to probably put that put him or her you know in a very uh, difficult position. Mm -hmm. If they, in fact, do not have the state governments uh, ahead of them. And also the, the, the problem you have, too, is that with some of these Pfizer um, contracts, they actually went into countries like Rwanda in Africa and Israel and basically said, you know, we want to get a corner of the market here and, you know, we will open up a manufacturing plant you know, for future use, because we're, we're getting into the vaccine error world uh, every season. So, you know, that was to make money. That was that was to, that was to further the the, um, the fluff on the on the contract, you know, and make it attractive for the countries at, at that. But, you know, I keep on thinking that we have to follow the money. Mm -hmm. I just over and over again, I think we have to follow the money because trillions of dollars have been spent on um, on, on this vaccination roll out with COVID. And they only did that because they see more money down the pike. Well, did, did uh, money come up at the at the uh, hearing. Well, right. So I mean, that was uh, four and a half billion euro that they were talking about. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think, um, well, it's it, it is about money, but also it's more than money. Um, part of the money uh, situation is, I think they're just using it as money laundering, as as um, just because. The, the, why do you say money? Why do you say money laundering? Because the the number of purchases that they've made greatly exceed any demand that we see today. The demand is very low. I am not. I haven't checked European Union, but in the U.S., it's it's extremely low. 
even in April, I counted um, over 100 million extra Pfizer doses that were shipped versus what was administered. Um, and that's in, that was back back. Why in would that be money laundering? Well, because they just they they pay themselves somehow. Like they they're all of these organizations. I mean, it's it's uh, well, the, they, they, they they contracted with the United States government. We spent trillions of dollars for these shots. So they print so they print the money. They push it through this uh, through this system somehow, and then they pay themselves because because Pfizer gets paid, and right. once they ship it, so Pfizer gets paid. I'm sure they're paying off their either the government officials or whoever is holding stock in Pfizer, getting paid directly through their all these little, you know, companies that they set up, consultants. Uh, because the 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 number of contracts the DoD made, and that's the only the ones that I've seen. There are hundreds of them with hundreds of companies you've never heard of, including. Well, that, that's because the, the Pfizer has used. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say shell companies, but sub, let's just to make it simple, subcontracting organizations. So they, they're subcontracting, they're manufacturing with it's different DOD. entities it's, all it's, over the place. It's not actually Pfizer, it's DOD subcontracting. Well, all DOD, of that's right. DOD. Yeah, and, and those are DOD contractors. They're not necessarily even Pfizer. So the DOD, DOD created this, this whole infrastructure, and it includes not just vaccine, it's therapeutics, drugs, uh, test swabs, kits, masks, uh, staff, uh, even... But, but, but Sasha, I have to stop you there. I don't think the DOD did it. We can't blame everything on DOD. DOD, this is a consortium. DOD sat down with the guy, with the guys in the pharmaceutical companies with a bevy of a boatload of lawyers involved to make it very creative, to basically create as a, a, a corporate capture Right. Or an agency right. capture uh, to base and, and and basically protect them all, even though they all knew that this was out of out of control and probably illegal. Well, I right. Mean, this is like having the mafia consigliere uh, lawyers at the table. Exactly. So who is at the head of the mafia? It's not pharma companies. Uh, the so and it is. And no, uh, DOD because no, it's no, like no, who, but no, when you say DOD, DOD is a pretty broad stretch, okay? Oh, who is DOD? Which well, department at DOD? Barda, Barda, DARPA, and uh, you know, so so on the org chart of this whole thing, DOD is the chief operating officer, Department of Defense, and within Department of Defense, it's a lot of these contracts are DOD, Barda, uh, and uh, HHS or ATI, which is their internal management organization that manages this this whole thing, and it's all the contracts go back to 2012. So it's not like they in 2020 they realized, oh my God, we have a virus, we need to make all these contracts, and we made you know trillions of dollars of contracts in two weeks. That that just doesn't happen. So let's 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 back up. Mm -hmm. Let's back up. Let's go back because you have mm -hmm. to explain for the audience to understand that that, that as your your position is it's DOD. Mm -hmm. I would say it would be DOD and HHS. But having said that, they're the same uh, organization under emergency powers. It's the same. I, same. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what I meant. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the the uh, go back and give the historical context about mm -hmm. how this this operation was designed going back to 2012, because people need to understand that mm -hmm. this just didn't happen in 2020. No. It was set up to put in motion, if it ever happened, that this is how they would roll it out. Go yeah, back to it, 2012 and explain to the audience about that. 
Yeah, exactly. It's at least 2012, probably goes back further. It's just the contracts that I have start in 2012. Now, the contracts that you have going back to 2012 involve whom? Uh, so that's, that was made between DOD, Barda, and several pharmaceutical companies, including Emergent Biosolutions. And Emergent Biosolutions has been in this business way longer than Pfizer has. Um, so Emergent Biosolutions, it's, it actually originally used to be a government-owned uh, plant, uh, and then it was bought out privately, but it still continued to be a government supplier of, uh, they're exclusively manufacturing anthrax vaccine and uh, the uh, anti-opioid uh, treatment, the, the injection that they give for opioid overdose, which is very controversial drug, and now they're giving it out in, in street fairs. Well, let's, let's explain to people about the anthrax. So anthrax, uh, anthrax um, mm-hmm. shots were mandatory for people who were fighting in Gulf One, which would have been 1990. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then within that first decade after that, they tried to make a mandatory for, I think it was 2.3 military members in the United States. There was a bevy of hearings at that time. Uh, Former Congressman Chris Shays was head of one of the subcommittees. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Merle Nass, who's a friend of all of ours, actually mm-hmm. testified against it at the time. <clears throat> Pardon me. It was a lot of controversy. But that was one of the first vaccinations that they were going to make mandatory for the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, for what not, and it's not just that, I mean, the military gets shots all the time here in the United States that make it mandatory, but this was something that was different, but it was right. It was because of the anthrax threat that surfaced after mm-hmm. 9-11. That's what kind of shot it up to the top of it after mm-hmm. 9-11. Um, so when you talk about the system that they had in place, are you saying that the system today is sort of an evolution of what so- they were trying to do with anthrax yeah it's a great it's greatly expanded and scaled out so when it was you know it was maybe emergent by solutions only and now it's it's a whole i they they almost overtook half of the industry actually in my opinion they overtook entire industry by the amount of money that they thrown at it because you have to think about it even pfizer is a large company they are multi-billion dollar company they they get excited in the private space they get excited about a product that generates a billion dollars or more in revenue a year. And that's they called- should. They should. It's, it's, they should. It's called Blockbuster and they're always looking for those. And it's such an important uh, asset to have. Now, DOD comes and, and gives them 10 billion for a product that they don't have today, but they give them 10 billion upfront. Well, they give, they, give, they give them 10 billion upfront and say, give us a product. And it doesn't right. have to follow the rules. So, so it, they're getting they're getting something, but the problem is they're selling it to they're selling it to the public globally as if it's safe and it and it's followed all the rules. That's, right. that, that's, that's why I'm saying DOD overtook the industry because by doing this, you immediately you you you're telling them 10 billion bucks. You don't have to follow any rules. All those difficulties that you normally have with safety and efficacy, forget it. It doesn't matter. Just crank out something. Oh, by the way, no, you don't have enough capacities. Here's emergent by solutions that have been doing this for us. For all time, they're already set up. That's what happened. And it's not just Emergent Bio Solutions. They had dozens of different companies like Emergent Bio Solutions already set up since 2012, cranking out something. They were saying pan-influenza vaccine. I don't know what that means. But so so that system DOD already had in place. They just went to Pfizer, threw a whole bunch of money at them. Pfizer dropped everything 
turn around, do this. You don't have capacity, but I have these other guys use them. All right. So, so, we, so you, you've, you've analyzed the, the, the model by which they did it. You've gone back mm -hmm. and done the historical precedent uh, mm -hmm. prior to, to 2020 COVID mm -hmm. error. Uh, you've discovered that there's no um, mm -hmm. manufacturing clinical trial standards of practice anywhere practice in the world. No. The, mm -hmm. contra the contracts are, if they're not questionable, they're certain they could very well be illegal. Um, mm -hmm. and there's a, I, I, I don't know if, you know, most people in Western civilization anyway, would agree that it's okay to put up collateral for, for and basically have no liability. I mean, the mm -hmm. whole thing, pretty it stinks. It just stinks. stinks. Yeah. So, so what do we do now? I mean, you say push back, you say, you know, go to your locals. I, I'm not certain that that's the answer. Is there anything else people can do? I mean, I, I think that this is a good move now. I think it's progress. If mm -hmm. there are some European Parliament men members who, in fact, are concerned, mm -hmm. Ursula's kind of put her under the spotlight. I think that that's great. The CEO from Pfizer doesn't show up. Was anybody insulted that he decided not to show up before the European Parliament for this hearing? Well, yes, of course, it's, uh, you know, he was scheduled, they invited him. I think European Parliament is kind of meaningful uh, place to, to show and to show transparency. But he just, he just decided to blow it off and, you know, not show. What was, it, what was the excuse for, for him not going? None. He just said he's not coming and here's Janine Small in his place. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, yeah, that's so more, that's actually more than what has happened here in the United States, because every mm -hmm. time that Ron Johnson, uh, mm -hmm. the senator from Wisconsin, who has held these roundtables and he did it with the victims uh, November of 2021 or he did it in June, I think, in Wisconsin of 2021. Then he did it in um, D.C. In, in November of 2021. Then he did it again in January of 2022 with doctors. Every single time he did it in D.C., I, uh, I attended and he had invited everybody from the FDA, CDC, NIH, NIAIG, I, I mean, NI, NIAID, um, and also the, the Pfizer, J&J, &J, Moderna, and nobody showed up. So the fact that they at least sent somebody in Brussels, I mm -hmm. think it's progress because that person sounded like a fool. Oh, she did. Absolutely did. And and you know, uh, completely uncaring, not concerned with any effects that their product is causing. I I don't understand. I actually don't understand Pfizer employees who are still there, who are, who are doing all this, and they know what they're doing. Uh, have, you, have, you, have you spoken to any of your Pfizer, former Pfizer colleagues? Uh, my whole, my former Pfizer colleagues have, have been fired and uh, the facilities have been closed. Uh, so they no longer, they, they, uh, got rid of all, I would say, qualified and very knowledgeable people because those would be the people asking questions like I am asking right now. Mm -hmm. I didn't want them. And so that happened a long time ago, 2008, 2009, <clears throat> big rounds of layoffs. And they closed facilities I was collaborating with. Uh, they closed internal. That was, was that around the time? Uh, 2009 would have been around the time that Pfizer was fined criminally and civilly by the DOJ for two mm -hmm. point billion dollars right so i think that at, at that time they figured out that i we cannot have any internal expertise or do anything internally because also what happened for example since then um uh, before 2009 before that that criminal fine they had internal 
a lot of internal uh, studies were done at Pfizer, like, for example, animal studies. They had a, a internal labs that were even specialized in different areas like cardiovascular. The one I, I worked with was cardiovascular animal lab in Pfizer in Groton. And uh, the, the, the people who were there were actually very ethical, very knowledgeable, very, uh, you know, good people uh, working and making sure that they were like internal police. They they would work with different drug teams like you know you you have a uh, you have a new drug. So they were, they were, people were supervised, and, and they were supervised, and and so they would work with the well the internal group at Pfizer that's working on the new drug, and they would come to them and say, well, I need to run the study. So they would run the study, and they would make sure everything is done correctly, and they would make sure that nobody was trying to like push something that's unsafe. So it's like an internal control group that was making sure nothing bad is happening, and they would also communicate, and that data was inside Pfizer was discoverable. I think they wanted to get rid of anything discoverable. So they outsourced everything. So now all the all the studies for these uh, injections were done, not just not in Pfizer, but not in the US either. Well, that, so, but that makes sense because if you, if you subcontract it out of the headquarters, then mm -hmm. you have somebody else to blame. Yes. And, and so my, my question is, uh -huh. were, were they were they contracts directly with Pfizer or were they contracts with the shell corporation that Pfizer has had set up back in 2009 when they did all this? They were fined two point three billion dollars. Uh, it came under pharma pharmacia slash Upjohn. Is that what they're doing today when they when I, they outsource these for manufacturing and for clinical trials? For I'm not sure. Like I haven't seen the pharmacia contracts. I only saw studies that were submitted as Pfizer's um, preclinical package, for example. They all came from Canada, um, France, and China. Well, when they filed, well, I know that when Pfizer filed their papers for the COVID shots uh -huh. with the FDA. That have mm -hmm. that have come out in the uh, uh, court document dumps in court here in the United States because of mm -hmm. um, Aaron's uh, Surrey's you know FOIA mm -hmm. case. In that, uh, Brooke Jackson, one of the whistleblowers, actually showed me <clears throat> that the original paper that that uh, Pfizer submitted to the FDA mm -hmm. for for this is for the the whole mm -hmm. stock of documents they submitted, and this has to do with COVID. That it actually says pharmacia slash Upjohn, and then in parentheses after that is Pfizer. Yeah, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking that Pfizer may have used the old model uh, to protect themselves financially back uh, in 2009. Mm -hmm. the 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 entity that was fined criminally and civilly by DOJ for 2.3 billion in 2009. Actually, it was pharmacia slash Upjohn. It wasn't Pfizer per se. Yeah, and it's the same model they're using today. Yeah, they've always used that model. Every uh, every drug, every new um, drug that they put on the market has a different corporate entity for that reason. And in the foreign countries, it's also different corporate entity. However, that doesn't protect them. So when when oh, so it protects Pfizer. Yes, it does because. The, and the reason why they, the lawyer explained this to me, the reason why they want to do this is because mm -hmm. if, if you go after Pfizer, if it ever gets hit really, really hard, then it would cancel possibly some of their other, quote unquote, good drugs that, that affect Medicare and Medicaid. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's actually uh, uh, the it's a way for U.S. government to continue contracting with them. It's it's again, it's a collusion with government. So that that corporate structure doesn't really protect Pfizer because you still you still can go after the parent company. Now the the reason, they, not, but they've chosen not to here in the United States, right? And that was the government's decision. So again, they have to be careful about that. So the government find them because they want to hit them for billions of dollars and pay themselves back. It's it's basically mafia like redistributing money between themselves. So they'll they'll get the payment out of Pfizer's insurance. Now that they are criminally fined, they're a felon. They can no longer contract with centers for Medicare and Medicaid. And uh, and they can no longer sell all those other drugs to centers for Medicare and Medicaid. So the government actually colludes with them to set up the structure. Okay, so this is pharmacy of John Fall guy. They get they are felon, and Pfizer is not. Pfizer still continues um, uh, contracting. However, Pfizer's insurance and Pfizer themselves paid that fine to the government. The government puts it in their pockets. People people see nothing out of it. All right. So, so let me ask you this, because you've been on the inside with Pfizer mm -hmm. and you and a lot of people that you know who had ethics left after the two point three billion dollar fine in mm -hmm. 2009. At what point do people on the inside step out and realize that this is over the edge? Think, think you know, people will be at some point in time. People are going to be held accountable at Pfizer, J and J, and Moderna. At some point, you know, it may not be for another six months. It may not be for two years. But at some point, somebody's going to say, "Okay, fine. Enough is enough of this nonsense." Mm -hmm. What What are all those people on the inside now? Are they all immoral? I think anybody are they who's unconscious or is it willful uh, ignorance? At this point, it's at least willful ignorance. Uh, they are um, probably like you have to be in the very deep denial, and at this point, you have to do a lot of work to continue this denial. Uh, it's 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 becoming increasingly difficult. Uh, and I, I I encourage everyone because recently, what happened in Brooke Jackson's case, for example, uh, the, the the most recent. Let, let's set this up for for the public in case anybody watching doesn't know what that is. Brooke Jackson worked for a, um, she was overseeing territorials of Pfizer clinical trials, mm -hmm. quote unquote clinical trials. This mm -hmm. was in the late uh, 2020. She raised her voice. She got fired. Now she has a whistleblower su suit that's in court. So go on, Sasha. Right. So, so the whistleblower suit started in the fall of 2020. Uh, it, that's, it's called False Claims Act um, uh, process by which the first thing that happens is the government has to, uh, govern, it, it, you know, it gets presented to the government. So she as a relator says, you're being scammed in this contract because Pfizer is not following procedures. Um, and the government DOJ at that time said, okay, and sealed the case. So when they sealed the case, they agreed that there is potential scamming going on and they need to investigate. They investigate for a year. That's a procedure. Uh, the case is sealed for a year. A year later, they came in, they said, we don't want to participate in this lawsuit, but uh, the lawyers can proceed by themselves. They did. Uh, Pfizer pled uh, then in May of this year saying, oh, we didn't have to follow procedures because our contract was for prototype. And now, a few days back, uh, DOJ came in and uh, submitted a pleading to the court to dismiss, disagreeing with Pfizer, saying that, you know, disagreeing with Pfizer's basis for dismissal uh, based on the prototype. So they're saying, no, that's not correct. Uh, but they're also saying, well, Brooke Jackson didn't observe enough fraud. 
she observed only 3%, like the Ventavia only enrolled 3% of the subjects. So she observed fraud. So they're, they're confirming that she observed fraud, but the case needs to be dismissed because it wasn't enough fraud. Um, and uh, and that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, also, after that's, just, that's lawyers buying time. Uh, well, it also trying to be creative and cute in court. All, well, yes, but also it seems that uh, since DOJ wrote it this way, and I, I've, I've gotten some feedback from lawyers, they're saying, well, it looks like DOJ is also setting up Pfizer to be the scapegoat, uh, which would be which was expected, of course. Uh, so that's my message to the people still uh, being willfully ignorant in Pfizer: uh, is look at this. The Pfizer is being set up as a scapegoat by the DOJ. And uh, it will come down. And guess what? Uh, the, the middle level people and lower level people will get prosecuted as usual. And they get thrown under the bus first. So I encourage everyone still working at Pfizer. Uh, and I know, I know there, there, were, there are people who are disagreeing with these injections and disagreeing with them, but keep working. You have to step forward. You have to become whistleblowers. You have to show that, you know, what's going on. Do you know if the people at, and I asked this question, if, if, do you know if the people at Pfizer were, all the people across all the Pfizer's subsidiaries, headquarters, do you know if they were all required to take the shots? No. Nope. They were not. They were not. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a story um, surfaced in the last, I think it's 48 mm -hmm. hours, at least when I saw it. Mm -hmm. um, about a, uh, a French politician who mm -hmm. has come out and said that Macron and a lot of these people that attend the, you know, Davos uh, World Economic Forum have not taken any shots. Did that come up among your conversations with any of these people during the EU hearing? I, yeah, so, uh, yeah, that comes out anecdotally in the discussions that, you know, people, especially high-level people, are pretending that they are vaccinating, vaccinated, but they are not, in fact. Uh, I've seen lots of reports like this. I'm, what doesn't surprise me that Macron is not vaccinated and a whole bunch of high-level politicians, uh, they... they we don't know. We have to be careful here. We don't know it to be fact, but we know that that's been the accusation. There's, it's been the accusation, um, you know, there there have been, I, I remember there were cases in Spain um, mm -hmm. where, you know, it was found that some pharma executives were just buying fake certificates. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that doesn't surprise me because they know, and we know that Berla wasn't vaccinated for a long time. And I think he's still faking it my personal opinion, but at least in the first year or so, he wasn't, he wasn't even allowed to go to Israel because of it. Um, and, uh, and then Pfizer, I do not believe they ever had a mandate uh, to, to vaccinate. Neither did CDC, for example. Um, it, it was never, it was, there was never an internal mandate. for. for there was a question that came up before Congress. I think Walensky was mm -hmm. asked, somebody was asked, you know, how many people at CDC or NIH or NIAID have not been vaccinated. And and mm -hmm. I don't think, I think that there was a deflective answer at the time mm -hmm. because they the, the agency representatives were all saying that, you know, oh, we don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't know because they don't have a mandate and, you know. But that was, at, no, but they, but there was, the federal workers were supposed to get vaccinated. At some point that was, but nobody went back to them and said, okay, now that the federal workers employees have to be vaccinated. 
mm-hmm. many you know, how many people have been vaccinated at uh, CDC NIH? Mm-hmm. Because there there is a um, you know people people are wondering about the hesitancy that still exists among the healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. We know that the WHO, as of May of this year, said right before the General Assembly that they have every intention of 100% of healthcare workers worldwide, anybody who's 60 years of age and older worldwide, and anybody, regardless of age, who has an underlying condition worldwide. I mean, mm-hmm. that is coming down from the WHO when, and that came down in May. And then mm-hmm. now we are in October and the president of the United States says the pandemic's over when in fact the goal post is mm-hmm is well beyond the pandemic being over because their intention is to get all the healthcare workers 60 plus and anybody with a, with an underlying health condition vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So they're yes. going, they're going for the billions. Well, it's again, uh, well, it's their goal, uh, but there's no uptake. So I'm saying, where is the, why are they cranking out extra millions of doses buying them? And those are, those are products that have fairly short expiry. So uh, because, because because they've already said UNICEF came out uh, in mm-hmm. August and said that they're going after the children in sub-Sahara Africa. Yeah, they're going to push I mean, they've, they've made that, that clear that for those countries mm-hmm. who have not had a high percentage of people vaccinated, doesn't matter what happens here. It doesn't matter. You know, quite frankly, anything that comes out of the CDC, the NIH, the NIAID, and the FDA should be ignored at this point. They've lied to the public. Having said that, they have no credibility mm-hmm. left. But having said that, when you have uh, Joe Biden come out and say it's over, that's this is not where people should be looking. They should be looking at what's happening in Europe, what's happening with the WHO, because those countries in the EU are also part of the group Mm-hmm. They want to have the health sovereignty placed under the WHO. We know this. Mm-hmm. The Biden administration this past January uh, created these amendments to the 2015 International Health um, Regulations mm-hmm. that were adopted in 2000, 2000 I think it's 2005, 2005. Uh-huh. And so these amendments are, uh, and they were signed by, or agreed to, I shouldn't say signed, agreed to by 47 countries, including the United States, who's leading this cause. Mm -hmm. And all of the EU countries have said, we want to have our health sovereignty come under the WHO. And you can never sue the WHO. Well, yeah, like they are, they're giving out. This is, this, you know, this is on the move while everybody, I mean, I have a, we have a dear friend Mm -hmm. of uh, CD Media who always says that, you know, America's at war and Americans are at the mall. Mm -hmm. People need to turn their lights on, stay conscious, because it doesn't matter what they say because of the 2022 uh, midterm elections. This is going forward Mm -hmm. because nobody's, nobody's stopping it. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's there's no red, there's no yellow light that I see that's turning red right now do you uh no because you know people people are ignoring it but uh, you know there's also they they made it they they built this legal cage uh with, mm-hmm. with, uh, 
with the suspension of the constitution has been suspended uh, by this uh, emergency. That's why they're extending it all the time. That that the reason they can do it is because they've been extending this health emergency, and then they're going to the WHO and and essentially giving up all our our sovereignty and our rights. Well, trying to. They're trying it's to. Trying to. It's it's not so. Yeah, they made it. It's it's like legalistic. You know, they made it uh, on paper legal, but it's it's not. It's it's just they're committing a crime. In broad daylight. That's why they're so blatant. That's no, why but, 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 you know, suggesting something, mm-hmm. suggesting something, they're going to say, well, that's not a crime. We can suggest policy. Um, you know, whether or not the American public even realizes that, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Biden's administration wants to give up the, the health sovereignty mm-hmm. to the UN and what that would mean would, uh, is that Tedros who's head of the WHO, the secretary general, whatever his director general, whatever his title mm-hmm. is, and his six or seven regional directors would then decide what the health policy would be here in the United States. So if mm-hmm. America thinks that they're having problems with their state governments, mm-hmm. with their county governments, with their federal, with the U.S. federal government over COVID, the last thing in the world that they should even think would be sane is to have somebody who's who's over there in Geneva making the decisions over here in the United States. That is why you pe- people and some of the British that wanted to exit from the from um, Brussels got upset because mm-hmm. Brussels was deciding things that were going on in England. So if this is if this is the model that that people want mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. You know, go for it. Stay with Joe Biden. Stay with the administration that wants to put the sovereignty, the health sovereignty of the United States under WHO. But if they don't want it, they need to they need to get these people up because these people are not going to stop doing this until people wake up. Well, I think that's part of the problem. People have to wake up and understand what the game is in motion. Yeah, they, they think they think health policy is something always good. They think health policy, especially decided the, the more remote decision the more you know, global decision about health policy because they've been sold this nonsense of of UN sustainability and all that garbage uh, based on based on what and then and then they think well you know if if WHO decides on, on this health policy somehow it becomes law it's so not it's still so, is just a recommendation okay so what's the next step here Sasha I mean where 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 do we go with this investigation? What needs it? What is it that the public should focus on? Yeah, well, the, I, my my personal um, goal was to uncover the uh, the manufacturing fraud because uh, the the fact that they're not manufacturing anything to standards or doing any clinical trials to standards, uh, or frankly anything about this product, um, and, and that was my personal goal because I think that's the only actually basis for stopping it legally. So any any prosecutor or judge who is honest and when they need one at any level, um, and I forget federal, but state or a local level can stop it by going after this. And there's plenty of evidence and that's what I have uncovered. These products, no matter what they're telling you they are, no matter what magic juice they contain or whatever, they, they don't contain any of this. Uh, they, they're completely complete black box garbage soup that they are producing and injecting into everyone. Um, so that that was my goal is to get anybody interested at the, and I'm still working on this, um, any, any prosecutor interested at the state or local level uh, to try to stop it based on this because it's a clear violation and they have powers to do it. So um, I, can, I can hear some of our, some of our uh, 
I guess, loyal uh, audience members saying to me, Christine, ask her, Sasha, is there anybody, any prosecutor out there who's taken the bit, bite on this? No, not so far. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, we have a couple of... Do, do you have hope for some people? I have hope because this is an evolving target because as more... And, and this is why the public uh, awareness and the public speaking about it. So the share it on social media, bring it up, continue this dialogue, because the judges, judges are politicians, so are the prosecutors, they get, you know, they, they, they get elected and they, and they behave like that. So if they see a public outcry about this issue, they will take it more seriously and then I will be more successful. I can't do it by myself. I need the, I need the public to help me by speaking about it, bringing it up, asking questions about it. Um, and then, then those guys will take it on because we did have some responses from uh, state attorney general, several that we have approached so far, mm-hmm. and they said it's possible, but it's it's a political decision. What they're telling you is that the public needs to be more involved in this messaging, and they needs to be more interested in this topic, and then they will take it on because they're elected officials. And, and and just to rem- let me just to remind the audience of this. Uh, over 20 years ago, when I was investigating the Catholic Church, we took it globally, and at the same time, we were told uh, privately by many um, many prosecutors that we needed to get the public engaged because mm-hmm. taking on the Catholic Church was not an easy. It was it w- it was not easy. All right. Uh, And from a political point of view, for for many of the attorney generals, those elected or those who were um, appointed, who worked in their offices. I heard that all the time. But once you had the swell of the public so morally outraged Mm -hmm. and and uh, people did not allow the lawyers to use language like inappropriate touching when, in fact, it was raping children Mm -hmm. and the fact that it was a colossally you know, laid out there for the cover up. And we got the historical uh, secret archive documents submitted uh, or I should say seized. And then they were made public because of Judge Constance Sweeney in um, Boston. Everybody knew, okay, Mm -hmm. this game's up. So Mm -hmm. you're right about getting the public engaged, having them, you know, really demand that somebody move forward on this is going to make it easier for all the prosecutors. It, it, really, it really will. And we know this when you take on something like this, because mm-hmm. this is big. This is absolutely big. It's big. It's it's very similar, actually, as you described about Catholic Church. Same thing. They didn't want to talk. They didn't want to. Oh, my God. You know, I can't say that, that this is even happening. And like, mm-hmm. like oh, you know, all these people are dying, dropping dead. Uh, Oh, I know. I, I can't acknowledge that this is killing people. Well, okay. Well, then, then what do you, what do you think it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think this is? You know. Right. right. So this is this is not a psychosis. This 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 is real corruption. It's. Gosh, it go ahead. No, no. It's 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 it is real corruption. It's a corruption, and then everyone who goes along with it are in compliance with this corruption. So you have to break those ranks. You have to start speaking about the truth. And you know what the truth is, and and listeners, that you know what the truth is. So so share, speak about it, bring it up, make people aware. Then it breaks that formation, that that corruption that that's going on. Sasha Latipova, thank you for joining us again this week, and um, you know, good luck on the investigations, and we love collaborating with you. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. <laughs>